Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. This computer has a vast memory capacity. This is not a computer simulation. Most unusual. Are we ready to release our new software? Yes, sir. As requested, it's full of bugs, which means people will be forced to upgrade for years. Outstanding. Good. You've covered all the bases. Computer status report. From this time forward, you will service us. Our priorities seem to have changed. There's no news. Like bad news. Would you mind identifying what you are? Bites. Right now, you are tuned into Bite Into It on 3RRR. I'm Lily Ryan, and behind the panel this evening, we have the spectacular Dan Salmon. Oh, Lily, you're just as spectacular as yourself. How are you this evening? No, I'm doing all right. How are you, Dan? I'm good. I'm good. My um, week in tech, I have to say, it is very much a um, fail for tech for me this week. Oh, what's happened this week? HR systems. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, I've got colleagues who haven't been paid. <sighs> <laughs> right. I'm, yeah, I'm not, okay. not going to tell you where I work for, um, but I will say that um, hopefully someone's onto it, but uh, it's a big organisation and this is not a cool thing. So, um, yeah, that's that's my, been my week in tech. How about yours? Mine has been a little less dramatic than that, fortunately. Mm. Yeah. Um, actually, not too bad in, in all respects because I, I did get paid. So I hope that gets fixed. <laughs> yeah. My God, that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. No, yes. I, 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 there, there are people who are onto it. I'm, 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 I'm oh, assured. I'm assured. Good. Love technology. Technology yeah. does many great things for us. Um, tonight, we're going to be digging into the intersection of technology and renters' rights. So first up, we will be speaking with Sam Floriani, who's program lead at Digital Rights Watch, about the relentless rise of rent tech from AI-powered tenant screenings to app-based agencies and what this has meant for renters during our current housing crisis, and also where our laws need a good kick into gear. And in the second half of the show, we'll chat to Purple Pingers of shitrentals.org about how he's using tech to empower renters to assert their rights and expose poor practices one property review at a time. But up first, as always... We have some news. What's yeah. been happening, Dan? Well, L- Lily, um, there's a, a, a bit, been a bit of uh, a development in the ACCC space, as there often is when it comes to technology and our telcos. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So um, there's been a uh, final report uh, into regional mobile infrastructure. Now, um, the regional infrastructure and regional, um, I suppose, connection is something that the ACCC often uh, delves into, whether it's, you know, uh, anti-competition or uh, the the... the extension of services and it looks like that there's going to be a bit of a uh, look into um, 
emergency uh, emergency towers and emergency, um, I suppose, service provisions in our mobile sector. So uh, Telstra and Optus and the uh, other, other various uh, tower owners across the country have been uh, put on notice that uh, it's not up to scratch. The, the um, current way that we regulate towers for uh, things like bushfires or floods or any of that kind of stuff that you need to be connected in order to, you know, stay alive um, mm. is, uh, is obsolete. And so um, the, the old code covers uh the car- the three carriers so uh, Telstra Optus and um uh, I cannot see the third one I'm sorry but um but they don't actually own the towers so this is something that I only just discovered the companies that own the towers are Indara which operates towers acquired from Optus Wavecom which owns the TPG towers thank you very much <laughs> the TPG of course it's the other one and um Amplitel uh, which is a subsidiary of Telstra and owns the Telstra towers so Hopefully we should have some movement, but obviously when it comes to Commonwealth government, that movement will be glacial at best. Wonderful. Mm. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> Do we? Do we? No, sorry. Love that. <laughs> uh, brackets sarcastically. Sarcastically, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> while, while we're talking about things that we love sarcastically, this is something we do not love at all. Um, which is uh, news. Um, obviously, the the world has got some pretty messed up stuff happening out, not just in tech, but outside of tech. But it seems to be clawing its way into the tech space. In that um, Instagram, uh, our, our favourite uh, photo sharing um, conglomerate, have been found to be. Um, there isn't even a nice way of saying this. They've been basically saying or translating the word. Palestine or Palestinian as terrorist for so so um (laughs) it's essentially anyone who has put um uh I'm not going to pronounce it because I can't pronounce it but essentially it's a translation um in Arabic which translates as praise be to God so something along it it, along the lines of Mm. um I'm not going to pronounce it but um the translation when you click to translate as you often do for uh, biographies um viewers were given an english translation that said praise be to god palestinian terrorists are fighting for their freedom wow yeah so um it's it's messed up and it's um instagram did say like that they fixed it and it was a glitch that was up for 3 hours but the fact that it was as um the person who kind of called them out on it um said the fact that it was up at all is insane um, there have been claims of uh, shadow banning, which is where online services limit the reach or visibility of an account um, to other users, and anyone who has been, you know, posting pro-Palestinian content um, has uh, been, you know, essentially blocked from being seen but not told about it. And um, there's, a, you know, a general theme of suppressing pro-Palestinian content um, on behalf of Meta. Now, I'm not. Go, I don't want to wade into my personal opinions on the conflict itself, but I think that if people should be allowed to, in a, a, a respectful way, voice their opinions, and the fact that it's being censored in that way really um, annoys me. It's uh, amazing that this is also coming from one of the social networks that still purports to actually have a content moderation team at mm. all. 
I know it's um it's disappointing, but sadly not surprising. Yeah, another disappointing but sadly not surprising news. Um, it was uh, revealed by the Guardian earlier this week that uh, the Australian Federal Police have been testing the facial recognition search engine Pim Eyes, which is a service that you can sign up to that does reverse face searches, including using facial recognition to identify people from around the internet and the photos that they're in and connecting that back to their real identities. So this uh, this was surfaced from some Freedom of Information requests um, that turned up some documents uh, showing that the AFP had done these things, that had run these tests about, about 10 occasions for operational reasons. Um, we also know that there have been lots of different moves towards facial recognition in a number of ways at a national scale. Um, there's been legislation that's come up recently that talks about some facial verification stuff and has broken it down in a, a much more nuanced way this time around. However, um, getting this information, uh, as I said earlier, not altogether s- surprising, but still quite uh, quite disappointing mm. to, to see. Um, but the tool itself, PMI's, um, you know, is, is a it's out there. It's available um, th- to be used to check more or less anybody's face. And there are certainly also TikTok accounts that have been doing this, that have been doxing people in that way. Um, using this tool as well is supposed to be able to um, – the terms for this account, for this service, sorry, only allow you to search for your own face, but there's nothing to actually enforce that. Right. So people don't. Is it, is, it, is it in breach of any – laws or anything that we can see at the moment? Not oh, really. yeah, piles yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, as in the service itself, yes, in a lot of jurisdictions, but um, there's there's not a lot that has been done at this point um, just because there are quite a lot of complex sets of legislation that intersect around this issue mm. generally on an international scale, um, whether or not it's being offered to governments or whether or not it's being put out there for free. Um, but I have to say also that I did just finish reading Kashmir Hill's book about facial recognition over the weekend and it was really interesting um to uh, this one is about clearview ai and it was really interesting to sort of trace the development of that tool over time and the way that it emerged out of a lot of other open source tools and things that people just have the ability to to put together so although these you know we may play whack-a-mole with some specific vendor or other it was demonstrated multiple times over that private individuals or groups of private individuals are able to do this with not a huge amount of effort using tools that are publicly available. And so, you know, that's that's cheerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wonder whether have – we, have, we, have we got anything more cheerful we can discuss possibly? Uh... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, one thing that is slightly more affirming, I suppose, um, and this is – Courtesy of Anthony at The Sizzle, massive shout-out to the work that you're doing. Um, in today's Sizzle, there was a report by Brookings that was released. Uh, it was actually a little earlier this year, but it surfaced in The Sizzle today, and it's really good. Um, a study that showed that Americans' confidence in big tech firms has dropped between 2018 and 2021. So, <laughs> Surprising nobody. Yeah, no, it just... I mean, I say that it's it's validating because it kind of is. It's like, okay, it it's not just me. There's there's data that bears this out and they break it down um, 
to show how they did it, what methodology and so on. Mm. But because the years 2018 to 2021 span the pre-COVID, um, during COVID period, it's, it makes for some interesting observations in terms of people's shifting attitudes as lockdowns force people to have most of their social interactions mediated in mm. this environment yeah. and what that meant for their attitudes. Um, and, and engaging more with systems that they may not have, they may have just thought of being in the background. It became it became front and centre, as yeah. you say. Yeah, I feel that there are there are certainly a lot of people who prior to that would only have socialised in person or have only used online tools to socialise with people that they already knew from other circumstances, like uh, you know, like school or their work or whatever. Um, but for many folks, it was the first time that they were using it to mediate most of their social interactions, apart from, you know, some extremely online nerds like me who have been doing this for a long time. Um, so it's interesting to see the way that with increased exposure to these things in more aspects of their lives, this this attitude has shifted. And they use the word precipitously to describe the shift, in, the downward shift in opinion. Um, definitely worth a look. It's Brookings, the university has put that out. Um, anyway, at the very least, it is, uh, <laughs> it's affirming, I suppose. True. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. We are here to chat with Sam Floriani about rent tech. I mean, it's not probably probably not news to most of our listeners that Australia is in the midst of a housing crisis. It's about 30% of all households and rentals, according to the last census. Um, but the prop track stats from like this month show that there are rental vacancies across the country that like they're down to almost about 1%. And the average rent has gone up anywhere from like 11 to 13% over the last year, depending on whose stats you're looking at. So renters are in a pretty tough place, but the cost isn't the only thing that makes it suck. They're also having to deal with how much of their privacy to give away in order to secure a place to stay. So we figured we would talk to Sam Floriani about it. Sam is a digital rights activist, a writer, a longtime friend of the show. Their digital rights activist spans many issues, but a lot of their recent work has explored the practices and the impact of the prop tech and rent tech industry in Australia and its relationship to renters' rights and privacy. Welcome to the show, Sam. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We're really excited to, to chat with you today. There's a lot to get into about this issue, but um, I've just thrown a bit of jargon out there. So I guess let's start with that. Um, prop tech and rent tech. Um, what kinds of things does that encompass? Yeah, that's a good place to start. So rent tech is generally seen as like a, a subset of prop tech. So prop tech being property technology and rent tech being underneath that umbrella. So basically it's any use of technology that sits between renters, landlords, investors and real estate agents. So rent tech already intervenes in almost every stage of a renter's experience. Um, so it could be anything from looking for a rental to applying using an online third-party platform or um, rental management platforms or scoring systems that, that rank uh, applicants and, and help, well, I use the word help, <laughs> kind of air quotes around that, um, help landlords and real estate agents pick between applicants. Um, it, it really sort of intervenes at every stage along the way. Also paying rent and getting rewards for paying rent and things like that. There are platforms that um, are sort of injecting themselves in all of these interactions and collecting just an immense amount of data and personal information while doing so. So let's talk about that. When when you say, you know, an immense amount, um, we know that there are, what, it's 
maybe two thirds of rental agencies aren't subject to right. like privacy legislation, like not to the Privacy Act or anything like that. How does that work? Yeah, so a lot of real estate agents are small businesses um, and under the Privacy Act at the moment there is a small business exemption. So any uh, business that has an annual turnover of less than $3 million is not covered by the Privacy Act, which we know is about two-thirds of real estate agents. So that means that they don't, they're not required to meet the uh uh, Australian privacy principles, so the, the bits that protect our privacy or put requirements onto companies on how they're supposed to handle our personal information. There are, of course, state-based residential tenancy acts that's depending on where you live may or may not have some restrictions or some guidelines in place about what can and can't be collected but these vary they're pretty loose they're pretty open for interpretation and really it just ends up meaning that real estate agents are kind of able to get away with collecting whatever they want and it's not just a question of what's legal it's also a question of the really intense power imbalance that exists between renters and landlords and real estate agents like you mentioned before the the vacancy rate and, and how the the rents uh, the price of rent is increasing, that exacerbates that power imbalance so that renters are put in a position where they feel, myself included, like they have no uh, option, no way to say no because you know that if, you, if you're seen to be like a, a problematic tenant or you, you don't, you know, you're not easy to work with, you're not handing over the information, then you'll just get passed up for another person. So it's really, it's really bad. So, Sam, we're looking at these kind of, uh, I suppose, systems that are meant to, you know, make things easier. And, and a lot of the time now you go to, I'm not going to name a particular website where you search for property, but one, <laughs> of, the, one of the big two. And, you know, you've got the, the listing you're looking at and then, you know, you apply here and then you, it just, you just put all your data in there. Do, is, is there a, these companies that own the big websites, they're, they're multi-billion dollar companies. What, do they have any responsibility to do the right thing with your data in handing it over to the to the agents? Is there any, is there any responsibility that's being abrogated? It seems to be operating in quite a bit of a grey area about who holds the responsibility and who doesn't, which I think is part of the problem. Um, also, um, a lot of the time these real estate agents are um, like licensing uh, programs off, like they're, they're buying programs off the shelf, so they're not necessarily. It it's, it's can be quite vague about what when your data is being shared with those big companies, the third parties, and when it's not. All of this is very opaque, which is another problem. Renters don't really have any visibility over what's what's happening. And if you ask, either you'll be ignored or, again, you're labelled as a troublesome renter. So mm. one of some of the work that we've been doing at Digital Rights Watch at the moment in our advocacy and, and talking with uh, policymakers and going along to public hearings and giving evidence and whatnot has been um, pushing for further investigation into how this is working and what protections are in place and, you know, which pieces of legislation they are or are not subject to because it's, it's very unclear. When you, you mentioned apps before as well, um, when I'm thinking about the, the amount of information that's gathered during a rental thing, uh, it's been a number of years since I've had to apply for a rental property. I feel f fairly lucky I've had the same rental for a while. Um, but when I had to apply, there was a lot of information that they were getting. Um, and I had to give that to a bunch of places that I ended up having no relationship with because we, you know, you apply to a bunch of properties, especially now to make sure that you can secure one. Um, and that included things like passport information. And um, in some cases, I've seen people asking for things like social media profiles as well, um, as well as um, things like like gender categories. Um, I, I've also, you know, 
there, there are a lot of folks out there who, when you're buying these off-the-shelf things, um, they probably only have two gender options. So, you know, locking non-binary people out of being able to rent and that kind of thing. What other kinds of ways, um, besides the rental application process, have have we seen expand during the rent tech sort of explosion over the last while? Yeah, that's a good question. So the point of application is a really big one for sure. But on top of that, um, for example, earlier, I mean, I guess this falls somewhat underneath um, application as well, but earlier this year or late last year, my memory's failing me, um, Snug gathered quite a bit of um, uh, criticism, which so Snug is a, um, a platform that essentially um, matches prospective tenants with um, properties and then will give them a score and then, you know, your agent can make a decision about who to give the um, the the rental to based on that score. That's to, to in order to be able to uh, generate that score, they were using all kinds of information, not just the stuff that you provide directly in your application, but also things like your Uber rating or data from um, uh, Facebook and things like that. So they would pull in these extra bits of information in order to be able to generate a, a score for you. Funny, not funny, a terrible thing about Snug as well at the time, they've stopped doing it since, was that if you offered to pay more, so if you did rent bidding, they would bump your score up as well, which meant that you'd obviously end up being more likely to secure that rental. So in in addition to just like your sort of run-of-the-mill online um, application forms, which I think most people are, are, are pretty familiar with now, although not the politicians that <laughs> I spoke with at the hearings, which is troubling, um, they probably haven't applied for a rental in like 30 years, but anyway... Um, in addition to those forms, there are, you know, increasing uses of uh, machine learning um, techniques to be able to, yeah, to be able to um, recognise patterns and make um, predictions and inferments about people. And then, of course, there are the ways that um, these platforms are intermediaries in your day-to-day interaction with real estate agents. Um, so that, as you mentioned before, Dan, like these, you know, it's convenient and whatnot, but it's convenient to who, you have to ask, of course. And it's it adds a level of convenience and efficiency for the real estate agent and for landlords, but it very rarely works in favour of renters, um, even when it's pitched that way. And what these sort of intermediaries end up doing is it adds a level of um, complexity in, in being able to interact with your um, agent. It can um, it, All of this generates more and more data, which they are able to then monetize um, moving forward and also, you know, used to build up a clear picture of you as a renter, which is very, very uh, valuable and potentially can be used against you in the long run. I think... Um, the first time that I had an interaction with some of these intermediaries was when I had to do my first rental inspection during one of the lockdowns because, of course, everybody who's renting had to do that at the time, given that no one could physically go anywhere to inspect anything. Um, in my case, that hasn't carried on. They have instead gone back to in-person inspections, but I know that that hasn't been true for a lot of other folks. Um, apart from that, um, there's also sort of like logging of maintenance requests, that kind yep. of stuff that goes through. and. 
Um, I've heard of folks also being asked to pay rent through specific apps as well, which is yeah. So that thing that um, attracted some um, criticism a little while ago as well, because a lot of them come with additional fees. Um, so there was a lot of pushback from renters who were like, "Hang on a second, I shouldn't have to pay a fee to pay my rent. That's absurd." Um, and you know, so. Um, some of the some of the uh, renter advocacy groups did a really good job at pushing back on that, and so it's less likely that that will happen now. But one of the things that came out of it was that um, it was revealed just how often real estate agents were really sort of pushing renters to use them, like being quite manipulative, not really providing an alternative option, or when they did, be like, "Oh yeah, sure, you can just pay rent in cash." on Wednesday between 10 a.m. and 10.05, like, you know. But like only if it's the full moon. Exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 Sam, what power have we got to push back against these kinds of things? Great question, and I'm – it's a depressing one. Rent has <laughs> such, such, um, such minimal power on an individual level um, to deal with these kinds of things. As I've mentioned before, like you ask questions or you push back and you are more often than not penalised for it. And so we really do need to be acting collectively. And I know you've got um, Purple Pingers coming on next and I think uh, he'll be able to talk more about some of the ways that we can do that. Um, But, yeah, you know, pushing for structural and legislative change is really important, um, but also working together to be able to to push back, I think, is, is fundamental because on our own, there's just very little that we can do. But we can, we can band together. The, exactly. The, the we can band together. Let's, 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 let's <laughs> and we are. Hopeful. Let's be hopeful. And that's why Digital Rights Watch and other groups are, you know, really pushing hard to to see changes like at the policy and legislative level come through to to give renters a better leg up in this situation. I'm kind of heartened also by the renewed focus on this. I feels like, you know, with everybody being forced down this path um, due to lockdowns and so on and not everybody not everybody having like agencies that choose to go off that path, um, it does seem like the tide's turning. Like there are a lot more conversations about this now. Mm-hmm. So if, if we want to engage more with the conversation, where should we go? What should we do? Well, if you're interested in um, renter digital rights, definitely come and check out uh, www.digitalrightswatch.org.au. We are pushing for privacy reform in particular, which is a big one for this area. So come and get involved with that. And then, of course, you know, um, Tenancy advocacy organisations also have lots of information if people are interested. Fantastic. And definitely we will tweet out or X out or whatever the hell you call it. Um, <laughs> post. post. Post them on our socials. Sam, before we let you go, I do have a, another question around this. Um, so we've obviously seen housing as a bit of a hot button issue at a political federal level over the past few months with the um, the Greens very vocally calling themselves, you know, the the uh, the only party that has the back of renters. Um, is there any movement other than... So So when we're talking about, you know, the privacy issues, is that being canvassed at any any policy level or is it just about we want to bring rents down? Because there's, there's more holistic change that I think that sounds like there needs to happen rather than we just need to bring down the rents. There's, 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 we need to address this power imbalance. Yeah, the power imbalance is a big one. And there is quite a lot of attention on it. I mean, there's been quite a few inquiries. There was an inquiry in Victoria just recently and also a federal one. Um, and I went along and gave evidence at public hearings for both of them and the committees were both 
very interested in these kinds of questions. I don't think they'd really given it much thought before about you know, privacy and security and bias and discrimination through technology and things like that. We did see some, I mean, there was quite a lot missing from the results that came out of the Victorian inquiry, but one of the good things that came out of it was that they did agree to um, focus more on protection of personal information of renters. So there is some potential movement there and um, completely banning rent bidding because one of the issues that we brought up at this hearing was that these platforms enable real estate agents to sort of circumvent some of the pr- the protections that we, we do have. So you're not supposed to be able to solicit rent bidding, but they can kind of sidestep it with with the tech. So the committee seemed to hear that and they've got, they've suggested that we ban that completely. So, you know, they're small, they're small steps, but there is certainly attention on it. And I think that, yeah, that they, they need to be part of a bigger, bigger picture of, of rebalancing that, that power imbalance that, that you mentioned. Absolutely. Yep. Um, this, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, um, draw, draw something together out of all of this because there's so much that I can, so much that impacts me personally as much as anything else I think you know as a renter I think a lot of us are um who are probably listening to this um so yeah I think that it's it's definitely something we need to keep pushing because I'm heartened to see the conversations happening to see them get more airtime um here in lots of other places and that we can actually you know do something about it so yeah thank you for coming and talking to us about all of this Sam I deeply appreciate it and thank you for all of the work that you're doing you can find out more information about uh, everything that Digital Rights Watch does at digitalrightswatch.org is that right Sam? dot au dot au dot au triple R I know that there's plenty of folks listening who have had experience of uh, shit rentable at multiple times in their lives. I should also give a language warning. We're going to use the word shit quite a lot <laughs> in this next segment. Um, and I know that there are probably a lot of you listening to us from one of those shit rentals right now. Um, the housing crisis, which we were just talking about with Sam Floriani, it means that renters have fewer choices in where they can live. That often means putting up with mold, with leaks, with missing floorboards, with unlockable doors, worse than that. So for about two years now... Um, our next guest, Purple Pingers, has been making TikToks about properties being advertised for rent and the obvious issues with what's on offer. So we've just heard about how tech can be used against renters in a whole heap of ways, but it can also be used to fight back. And that is just what, what shit that is just what shitrentals.org is doing. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Yeah, no, it's um it's been awesome to watch your work over the last while. Um how does shitrentals.org work? Yeah, um, so pretty much just imagine a Google review but uh, for a rental property or an agency um, and the only difference being uh, you can't pay to have it removed like you can on something like Rate My Agent or if you harass Google enough, they'll remove a review. So, yeah, you can't really do that on shit rentals. So- a simple premise. Yeah. Um, what? What? I, I'm, I'm guessing that I we probably do can work out the answer to this. But what? What? What spurred you on to uh, to create this? It's a good question. Um, so I've been making videos on shit rentals for like three years now. Oh, sorry, three years. I, I amend my earlier statement. <laughs> I I didn't hear it, so I forgive you. <laughs> well, I I got it wrong. I said two. Oh, that, you know what? Two is the same thing. It's fine. It was COVID. It's oh, all yeah. a blur. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. Yeah. 
Go on. Um, but yeah, no, the, um, so yeah, what started it is I've been making a bunch of videos and so many people have been reaching out um, and honestly, there, there was just too much. Like I can't, I can't do them all and I don't think it's particularly fair that someone has to rely on some like white dude on the internet to have to tell their story. I think everyone should be able to do it, um, but without the threat of eviction. Um, so, and that, that's why, you know, that's why I'm able to tell the story because I don't have that threat, which is great, but people, other people can't do that. So I was like, let's make a platform for other people to tell their stories and, uh, explain what they're living in at the moment and what their experience is like with their agency. So, yeah. So, so I guess we, we, we do hear horror stories and even this mm. morning I was reading an article about um, a rental out yeah. in the north here. I don't know if you saw it about a particular... Ten- the foot in the... The foot, yeah. the foot through the floor of the horrible. floorboards. Horrible. Yeah. Which resulted in a miscarried yeah. child. It was one of the most harrowing, terrible things and, and I do apologise mm. for bringing it up. That... I'm I'm kind of guess that's possibly not not the some of the worst that you've Unfortunately seen. Unfortunately, not no. no, not even yeah, not even close. Is it's, has there has there, has there been any um, I suppose result in the positive from these kind of dirty laundry being aired for one of a better? Yeah, way? I think so. There's it's hard to explain, but there's there's awareness now. So like you can you can search up a rental that you're going to live in and say, oh, that's bad. So maybe don't do that. So you know, there's a few stories like that, but the the biggest kind of feedback is that it's been cathartic for people to just tell their stories and like i i truly believe that's because renters don't see themselves as victims when they go through something traumatic that's caused by a landlord and telling your story is cathartic if you're a victim so like that's a win for me just you're able to share your story and everyone can see it um but there has been a lot of you know pushback from real estate agents and they've been like uh take this down this isn't true and it's like well prove it's not true and then i'll reach out to the tenant and they'll be like here's the evidence and it's like that's no i'm not taking the review down that's ridiculous my heart bleeds for those poor poor real estate agents Um, so how do you um because of course uh, an address is something that could be used to identify someone Mm. after a particular point in time Mm. and it takes a lot of courage even then to be able to to you know say something to tell your story in a public place knowing that the the agency or the the Mm. landlord that you're talking about will know that it was you Mm. um how how should people um you know be feeling about that or approach that and what Mm. kind of risk do they take on when they do it yeah so there's always going to be a risk as a tenant no matter like no matter what you do um which is really unfortunate but you can kind of circumvent that by not being specific about dates in your review Mm. and you know not mentioning anything that's likely to kind of indicate that that's you that's really difficult when there's some very specific horror stories where it's like you know I told the agent about this asbestos or this particular thing in this room like that's that's difficult you can't always avoid that um but you can you can you can make your review more general. You can make it more specific. It it's up to you as long as you know the risks. Um, your information is never going to be passed on to the real estate agent or the landlord, and that's what's important. The only thing that's collected about you is your email address, and I don't know how to 
like, you know, scrape data or anything. I've just got a spreadsheet with email addresses. I don't know how to... People are like, oh, he's selling that information. Like, I don't even know how to do that. That's not something that's going to happen. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Unlike your real estate agent. No, exactly. Um, I've, 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 you know, played a little bit with uh, the sharerentals.org over the nice. last week. Um, I did notice that there's a positive review there's uh, a option. How, yeah, so, so like you can give a good review if mm. you want. What, what sort of ratio we're talking here? Not that oh, many. It's very minimal, but also the thing about the positive reviews is the standard to get a positive review, like a four or a five star review, is so little. Like I've seen people be like, there was literally like the day before I moved in, someone broke into the house and like kicked in the plasterboard. And also I found in the plasterboard next to that where they kicked in, there was a loaded sawn off shotgun, but the kitchen was pretty good. Four stars. <laughs> the bar is on the floor. It's really easy to get a four-star, five-star review. you just got to obey the law and not provide an unsafe even, place even to then, live. Even then, not even. You oh, don't wow. even have to do that. It's just like, oh, they said hi to me one day. <laughs> four stars. Wow. Yeah. There's been also, um, particularly like in, we spoke about this in the last interview as well, the pandemic lockdowns had mm. quite an effect on renters' experiences and has also contributed to the situation we're in now in terms of rental mm. vacancies as well. Um, but one of the things that also happened in 2020 was that the Renters and Housing Union was formed mm. as well. And mm-hmm. it's not the only renters' union in Australia, but it does, I feel, speak to something about a growing movement, as mm. we are also speaking about with Sam earlier, in terms of advocating for renters' rights. Mm. What's been your experience of that as somebody who has been really closely involved with, with tracking these experiences as people go through them? Yeah. Oh, like, I think... Um, sorry, I missed the question, but I do want to talk about unions. If yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Right. No, that's, that's fine. So, like, the fact... So, Tenants Vic started out as the Tenants Union in Victoria. The fact that we've had another union start just shows the need, like... It, there shouldn't be there shouldn't be more than one union. The fact that there's so many unions that are forming to address the same issues shows that this is a huge issue in Australia. And you know, the kind of the government really isn't doing enough about it. We shouldn't have all these organisations that exist to do the government's job for them. Uh, I think that's a really big problem in Australia. Um, but yeah, what was the question again? It was about how. Um how the pandemic has impacted the way that people um, are mm. perceiving rentals and whether it's whether it has reached a point where people are... I mean, I think it was coming to what you were already saying mm. about how there have been so many of these formed and mm. some of them, you know, like Tenants New South Wales was formed in the 70s. You know, there's yeah. like lots that have been there for a while, but mm. certainly recently it feels like the heat has been turned up, that the discussion mm. has been happening a lot more loudly and that, as you're saying, there are lots of different groups forming because everybody's mm. recognising that this is yeah. a problem. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's anecdotal based on my own, you know, echo chamber mm. that I'm in, but I wanted to know what your experience was as somebody who has been yeah. dealing with a lot of these issues, collecting people's experiences, yeah. advocating for renters' rights. Yeah, I think... What it comes down to for me is it's an issue that's always existed in Australia, um, but we, and this is, you know, this is an indictment on all of us, has, it's been an issue that's kind of been kind of secluded to an area of society which haven't been very well off in terms of money and socioeconomic status. Now that it affects people who, you know, work full-time, we've had, like, what, 23% of Australia has 
access to food bank in the last mm. however long it's been. Now it's affecting people who have full-time jobs. We're like, oh, maybe we should start paying attention to it. Homelessness, housing insecurity has always been an issue in Australia. Like, Australia started because we stole land from people. That's, like, it's, it's throughout our history. Um, so I think that's the, that has been kind of the deciding factor now that it affects rich people, let's say, rich mm. people, people who are the Herald Sun's regular listeners. They're, they're now being affected, so now the media is starting to pay attention and it's like, oh, we better do something about this now rather than back in the day when it was only, you know, our people we don't really care about that mm. much, which is a massive indictment on us. But, yeah, I think that's, that's what it is. Do, do, do you think that, that that shift and, you know, this idea that, you know, renting is no longer, you know, the transient state mm. in which you live but on your way to home ownership, like, mm. and it's actually, you know, the way that people will be living their lives mm. for their entire lives. Mm. Are, you, are you seeing a change in attitude yourself in that way through, through the website or is it, do you think that we've still got a ways to go before there's actually that kind of shift in the idea, of, you know, to a more European idea where you do rent for your entire yeah. life? Yeah, I, like I think there's a change um, in the way that we're perceiving this stuff but not from the people where that change matters. So if you look at Victoria's new premier... Um, just released a post that was like, more renters in Victoria, more people in Victoria are choosing to rent for their entire lives. Like, people aren't choosing to rent. People are forced to rent for their entire lives. So, like, there is a shift. We're noticing it, but it's not being noticed by the right people. And I think that's the problem. One of the things that I've um, really appreciated about the way that you've advocated for a lot of tenants has been... um, getting receipts Mm. for things that it's not just you're going out there and saying a bunch of stuff that there Mm. is a burden of proof that you've you've got a lot of that information Mm. and that the people you're speaking to have been able to provide it Mm. a lot of folks do end up in the position of keeping a lot of meticulous records Mm -hmm. um what kinds of record keeping is necessary in terms of you know not as in legal advice but Mm. for people who are trying to document their situation what kinds of record keeping should should they be, you know, practicing? Yeah, I, like best practice, keep a record of everything. If you have a phone call with the real estate agent, send them an email after being like, as discussed, this is what we discussed. Like, uh, I'm admitted as a lawyer in New South Wales, so that's just kind of in my blood that meticulous record keeping. But it is best practice, like because real estate agents we know lie. So if you've got some proof, that's going to help you because when you eventually have to go to VCAT or whenever you, you know, have that discussion and they're gaslighting you, evidence is king. And I suppose, you know, if you've been admitted as a lawyer, you know, have had a bit of exposure to the legal system. Mm. For a lot of folks, that's a terrifying yeah. prospect. Um, and, it, I mean, it, it can legitimately be. Mm. And it can go on for a very long time. So many folks will prefer to avoid it. But mm-hmm. is there any place that you would point people to if they're kind of looking at this going oh actually look if that's the if that's the option if that's the path I have Mm. how do I find out more about it where do I go to get actual advice absolutely so there's there's a number of services in Victoria um, that are specifically for those kind of things and it will depend on your issue but generally your first port of call is Tenants Vic they have um, as much information as possible on their website 
um, and they they intentionally have designed it so that it is accessible um, to people. It's still you know it's still a website, so by definition, it's not accessible to everyone, mm. but it's as accessible as they could make it. Um, and then you've got places like Annika Legal, which is if you have if you're um, experiencing an eviction or need kind of repairs, that's their area of specialty and they service Victoria-wide as well as Tenants Vic. And then you've got other community legal centres which are really difficult to find because you have to use a stupid community legal centre map and it's really difficult because you have to put in your address and also your matter and a bunch of mm. other stuff. It's very difficult. But go to those two first and they they can't help you, they'll point you in the right direction. And this is free advice. It's not, yes. You don't have to pay for it. It's, that know. is correct, yeah. There's also one of the things I noted um, in this whole discussion, like larger about the the way that um, we're talking about renters' rights. There are people who are in the privileged position of, mm. of not needing to rent, of being able to um, own the property that they are living in, mm. either you know mortgaged or outright. Mm-hmm. Um, and how if, if people like in those positions are listening to this and thinking, yeah, like. I, I want to express solidarity. I want to support people. Mm. Um, how can they go about doing that in a way that, that you know, is responsible and helps? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I know that, like, particularly Rahu allows memberships from homeowners, um, not uh, landlords or real estate agents and a bunch of other stuff. So, that like, that's a very real way of expressing solidarity. Um, but also, you know... You can email your MP, you can email your local councillor, you can email your federal um, member of parliament. And that's definitely something I suggest doing and it's something that I've started kind of very recently trying to point out that, hey, a bunch of these members of parliament only won by 50 votes. And if you email your MP, be like, I'm not voting for you next time if you don't do anything about this, they're going to lose their jobs. They they get real stressed about that because that's, yeah... And, and and for our listeners out there who perhaps are experiencing a shit rental mm. and haven't heard of you, where can they find you? What can what can they do yeah. to help their situation right now? Yeah, I think um, it depends on what your issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you like the best the best thing to do, I think for everyone in terms of um, like showing solidarity is to review your own rental. The more rentals that we have on shitrentals.org, the more information that renters are armed with when they're going to their next rental. So I think that's really helpful. Um, and, yeah, apart from that, like, you know, there's really not much you can do as a renter other than raise your voice. That's it. The, the theme tonight has been collectivization and fighting mm-hmm. back, and I think definitely that's that's uh, a message of hope that we can take away from a, what is essentially a pretty messed up situation. Yeah. Exactly. Only way to solve organised greed is an organised union. Thank you so much for all of your work and for what you've been doing and continue to do for renters, for renters' rights and helping everybody to raise their voice. Um, yeah, we've been speaking with Purple Pingus. You've been listening to Bite Into It with Lily and Dan and our discussion of rent tech and sh- rentals this evening. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you also very much to our guests this evening, Sam Floriani and Purple Pingus. Uh, thank you to my co-host, Dan. And thank you to you, my co-host, Lily. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been it's been good to unpack this in detail. I think it's a, it's an issue. Like rental rental insecurity is a hot button issue at the moment. It's nice to see that there is a little bit of fight back in there and there is power if we band together.
Yeah, absolutely. And um, there are plenty more to dig into if you want to listen back. Um, speaking of which, um, and for lining up all of these amazing conversations, thank you very much to our talks producer, Lulin. Um, we've been bite into it. We have been. This is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite Into It's Twitter or Facebook accounts. 